Hello there, and welcome to another episode of The Imaginaries. And in fact, not just another episode, but the first episode of 2021 in which Ken and I talk about our favorites of the previous year. Uh, Yes, (laughs) yes, 2020 was in so many ways a very awful year. However, we want to celebrate the very best of science fiction and fantasy, and especially the very best of queer science fiction and fantasy that we really loved in 2020. So um, this is going to be a little Mm -hmm. bit different. Um, We are not going to... You'd better, you'd better gird those loins of yours. Um, so we're not going to talk you through specifically our, you know, each of our favorites and a little bit about what they are. Instead, we're going to look at some general trends in 2020 and what we really liked about the year um, with some examples. But you can definitely go right now or later to our website, which is imaginaries.net, and take a look at our awards page. The full and currently expanding list, yes. Yes, and it has been totally updated. So you have lists from all the previous years we've done awards. This is actually our fourth year, which is awesome and amazing. Mm -hmm. And we are so happy that we can bring this to you. Um, but you'll have, uh, you'll find for every category we gave awards in 2020, some highlights and, you know, hopefully you find some things to enjoy there. We certainly yeah. found a lot to this enjoy This just last didn't year. feel like the right year to hold to an award system that in a year lacking pretty much anything that we thought was normal about publishing or (laughs) television. You know, we thought it was pretty unfair to impose the same structure on 2020 as in prior years, which forced us to rethink everything. And now we actually kind of prefer the approach of pulling out a short list of our favorites and they are Mm -hmm. all beloved and wonderful. They're all winners, Pony. Yes. We d- we do yes, like that approach. Are. It's it's less about like prioritizing one over the others or like fighting for your favorite at the expense of others mm-hmm. kind of a thing. So it just it just felt right for this moment to make a little bit of a, mm-hmm. a shift. Yeah. Absolutely. So what we have for you this year is more like lists of recommendations um as Only opposed to here's our, our our winner with nominations. <laughs> On a graphically pleasing interface, I cannot, I cannot say how well it's going to look on mobile because um, I was doing all the editing on desktop. But I think it'll probably. We're just going to pretend pretty, that nobody uses no mobile, despite looking. the fact that everyone uses mobile. Anyway, moving on. Yeah. Uh, there are yeah. a couple of things you will not see in this year's list. Yes. One yes. of those things is basically movies. This just this just wasn't yes. the year. So we're gonna gonna give movies mostly a pass this year. Is there anything else that we need to kind of warn mm-hmm. people in advance? Um, that was the big one, uh, which is to say in in years to come, we certainly hope to see more movies. And there there were movies that were released in 2020 on, you know, various streaming services and whatnot. We just didn't see any that we really liked and want to recommend. So we kind of pretended that there weren't really any. 
I will also note that for the purposes of our sanity, we were only considering books and movies and TV shows and comics that released wholly or mostly prior to the end of October. So we kind of gave ourselves Halloween as an end date and then considered November and December of 2020 to be part of 2021, just so we could give ourselves time to like catch up on reading and watching. Right, and right, right. And like not that. just that, so. but that's kind of the rhythm of publishing anyway, because by the time you get to November, you're really looking at books that are being shoveled in at the last minute Mm -hmm. um, and a couple of Mm -hmm. like holiday specials, things like that. Whereas most books, if they want to be serious contenders for best of the year, tend to come out before November with a few rare exceptions. So I think that it's it's okay also in terms of like what we're really most deeply interested in, which is books. And um, it just so happens that with television shows, they're along for the ride this year. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. And and that's actually a really good place to start in with some of the big things that we noticed this year, because uh, even though 2020, you know, had certainly its many, many problems, I think it was a mm. really great year for, for TV generally, and especially yeah, the kind of TV that we Yeah, and streaming. Yeah. yeah, like original streaming, and actually some like really bonkers weird shit, which is like my favorite thing to see, even if it fails and completely mm-hmm. like at least we got to see something new. And that's something that Mm -hmm. happened a fair amount with uh, miniseries. So, um, Mm -hmm. so if we wanted to just like talk briefly about that, there were, there were a couple that I think that you wanted to just like briefly mention. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, so two big, two big trends this year that I noticed in TV, which I found very, um, very encouraging and very hopeful. The first is that we did get some of those great miniseries, which more, which were more unabashedly science fiction fantasy. And some Um, were more unabashedly queer. Yay! Yes, yes. And we got um, that combination for some of the first time. We also got some follow-up series. So I really want to give a shout out to Steven Universe Future, which was kind of like like an epilogue miniseries um, for Steven Universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, that sort of thing, as far as I know, hadn't been done before. I'm sure, you know, there are probably examples that I'm just not aware of. But having that sort of thing, especially for, um, you know, a, a kid's show that had established itself as very queer was really nice. And then mm-hmm. we also had the miniseries Hollywood, which we talk about yes. in an upcoming episode. People might have a little bit of... Uh, an issue with us including it in science fiction because it was also historical fiction. But if you listen to the John Barr Hinge episode, that will make perfect sense out of the whole conversation. Yes, yeah. And I I should have prefaced that by saying two of the miniseries that I really recommend this year, both Hollywood and The Plot Against America, are much more alternate history than they are any other sort of science fiction or fantasy. Right, so right, right. if alternate history is kind of your thing, then definitely keep an and eye on those. And it is mine, definitely. Yes, yeah. Yes. Um, and I also, the, the miniseries Devs is something that I would Which recommend, especially... I didn't especially... get to see. What is this Devs thing? All I know is like giant things floating in slow rotations. That is all I can tell you about Devs. Yeah, well, I would say if you if you have seen some stuff from the director Alex Garland before, it's very much kind of like the same the same mode or the same aesthetic, the same feel, um, very similar to Ex Machina, similar to what he did with the Annihilation movie. I don't want to give away too much because it is one of those things that is very well put together and really so is kept it an anthology me, like, show. 
Um, no, it is not an anthology show. Okay, um, it okay. is just one miniseries that follows, you know, the same characters, same plot, but very much is in that mode. So, okay. so that's those, you know, miniseries are a really great thing to have this year, especially, you know, those that are verging on queer, exploratory, alternate history. Um, just expanding science fiction and fantasy. Um, but I also want to give a shout out to the queer animated shows, especially the, the mm. queer animated kids shows that really dominated um, in terms of what I was watching uh, in for animation this year. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking here of shows like Kipo and the Age of Wonder Beasts, She-Ra and the Princesses of Power, um, Steven Universe Future, as I mentioned, and Infinity Train, all mm. of which were doing some really, really interesting, good, complicated, you know, explorations of diverse characters and telling really interesting stories with great animation, great voice acting, just loved every bit of them. Really, you know, an exciting time to see where in 2021 and beyond, um, you know, queer, especially science fiction, fantasy, speculation, um, and animation all go together, where that sort of like triple strand of DNA might lead to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and that's not all that's worth saying about shows either, like series, whether they're um, limited series or regular TV shows and some of those animated mm-hmm. shows in that we had to say goodbye to a fair number of them. What all did we, did. Did we have to leave in the dust of 2020? Sorry, I just dropped something. <laughs> we, we said... Food on the ground. I got rid of it. We said hello and goodbye to Kipo and the Age of Wonder Beasts. It was one of those shows that had multiple seasons all in the same two, year. Um, pilot to finale. Uh, I think it was three. I'm okay. pretty sure it was three. Don't absolutely quote me on that, but I think it was three. I absolutely quote you on that. <laughs> um, we also said goodbye to She-Ra and the Princesses of Power and Steven Universe mm-hmm. slash Steven Universe Future. We also unfortunately uh, wrapped up one of our perennial favorites, uh, The Good Place, which had a really excellent run. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm hoping it that... It stopped while it was ahead. We'll, we'll leave yeah, it at that. Yeah, it, w- it was the right place for it to end. I think I think all of these actually ended in the right place. But, you know, I, I like that we got them. I love what we got. And I'm hopeful that we will have good things in the future based on those. And actually, I think it's a wonderful thing that we now have at least a handful of shows that included a strong ending as part of the strength of the show overall. Yes. Like, we've yes. seen we've seen shows that have tapered off for a variety of reasons that started with an arc in mind. Battlestar Galactica is one, and that was partly yeah. a writer's strike issue. But yeah. then there have also been shows like Lost that just basically Mm -hmm. went on until people ran out of ideas. And Mm -hmm. that's generally been the history of science fiction television, Mm -hmm. I think. Whether Mm -hmm. you're looking at Stargate and its spinoffs or, you know, Mm -hmm. such and and stuff. Yes. So it's really nice to see limited series nailing their landings. And I hope to see that in some of our longer season shows. And The Good Place is one that's kind of leaning towards that. Yes. And I also, I, you know, I didn't include them here in part because we didn't get another season, but there were unfortunately lots of shows that were affected by, you know, 
production slowdowns or that were canceled in response to, you know, uh, lockdowns and whatnot. The one that I'm thinking of right now is our favorite show from last year, which was The Dark Crystal. So unfortunately, it doesn't look like we're going to get a season two of The Dark Crystal, which is, which sucks. I'm just going to go ahead and, you know, not sugarcoat that. I hate that we're not getting more Dark Crystal. But again, I'm hoping that there is more good stuff in the future to come. Yeah. But let's talk about books. Books, I think, are really our bread and butter on the podcast. And I am going to start us out with books by saying that uh, we have championed novellas pretty much since the beginning of The Imaginary, so going on five years now. Um, For a long time, we have really been on the side of Tor's novellas, the publishing house. And we're not Tor. not on their Um, side now. Certainly not. No, we are not not in any way, uh, you know... In no way do we think less of Tor. However, it's really, really nice to see other publishing houses get in on novellas in science fiction and fantasy, and especially queer science fiction and fantasy. And so we want to give um, some great shout outs to, you know, the multiple publishers, uh, whether they're larger or smaller, like Ken said, indie presses that are getting into this. And you may have heard our uh, series of episodes in 2020 with uh, Dave Ring of Neon Hemlock Press and some of the authors of the first novellas to come out of Neon Hemlock Press. Including Caitlin Starling's Yellow Jessamine, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. had shiny things on the actual jacket. Mm -hmm. Just have to say, novella jacket design is one of my favorite things. Like, I don't know why, but the covers to novellas are on par, if not prettier than standard Mm. novel Mm -hmm. covers i don't know what's happening anyway just saying the entire package which with these novellas is really exceptional um Mm -hmm. that goes for neon hemlock as well as some of our um you know tour uh Mm -hmm. standards and um these books coming from other publishers like orbit Mm -hmm. and so on and so forth yeah absolutely and you know one of the things that i've done in previous years is kind of like stacked all of our favorites up for a given year and sort of looked at, you know, who was publishing these? Like, is there a particular bias towards one publishing house or another? And in, you know, in previous years for the novellas, especially, like it was pretty much all tour all the time, um, which again, great, good for them. But this year it was really a mixed bag. Like we had some tour, we had Neon Hemlock in there, we had Orbit, like you mentioned, like, and it's really great to see so many, you know, I, I assume, you know, I'm kind of looking at these with you know my my uh heady fan blinkers on but i assumed that you know other folks have seen whether they're smaller houses or larger houses um that there is a future in novellas and it's great Mm. to see you know more and more um publishers getting into these sort of shorter but still bound and you know I don't know what the publishing term is, well, but right. I, I want to have I want to have a physical copy of them, and I get that, and I love that. Well, and I would put in specifically a shout out, and, and this is actually I think another tour, <laughs> um, which is maybe not the perfect example of the diversity we're talking about, but we're actually seeing novellas like taking on 
timely issues and rising to blockbuster status like uh, Tochi Anyabuchi's Riot Baby this year really mm-hmm, became mm-hmm. like one of the books most recommended for folks interested in um, allyship with the Black Lives Matter movement and with sort of transcending that moment and finding um, beauty in the hardship and, you know, tr- transforming um, this work that folks have been doing with their feet, this voting that people have been doing with their Mm -hmm. feet for decades, and transforming a bit of that into a take-home bit of art that can then transform you. I just, I think that that's pretty symbolic of what novellas have been to us for a while and so it's really really cool to see Mm -hmm. some of these books start to mean that to other people maybe even people who aren't Mm -hmm. into science fiction and fantasy with air quotes you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and speaking of that's actually a great segue in to saying that a lot of our favorite YA this year, and we'll get more into, uh, you know, uh, novels that are ostensibly for adults. I hate to say adult novels because that's well, and there's been a lot of blurring, and we can talk about that another time. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. But you know, a lot of what what was I think really successful both uh, for us as readers, but also at large. Um, were books by women of Mm -hmm. color and even sometimes queer women of color or that really focused on uh, queer characters, queer relationships and Mm -hmm. things like that. So I really want to shout out, um, for example, uh, Cinderella is Mm -hmm. Dead Mm -hmm. by Kaylin Bayron, uh, Legendborn Mm -hmm. by Tracy Dion, The Kingdom of Back by Marie Lu, and Mm -hmm. Cia Martinez and Mm -hmm. The Moonlit Beginning of Everything by Raquel Vasquez-Gilliland. So some really, really great novels um, that are by women of color um, and uh, really look at, you know, either the experiences of young Mm -hmm. women of color and or young queer women of color, um, which in general, as I'm looking at the books that we selected uh, for our best Mm -hmm. of YA and comics. Yeah, there really was a lot of, I mean, we are a queer podcast, surprising, but you know, pretty much everything was queer, pretty much uh, about, you know, half of it or more looks like people of color, either as writers or primary characters. So um, I think that this, you know, was a really good year for representation in all sorts of important forms. Um, was it better than previous years? I, you know, it's it's always hard to say those kinds of questions are difficult to answer, but we have I some really good recommendations. I think we reached the point where it looks less like people having to carve out a place in the genre Mm -hmm, now mm -hmm. it's looking a little bit more like we're here we're queer Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and deal with it and maybe eventually we'll finally get to the point where we just realize everyone's queer and move Mm -hmm, on mm -hmm. and make great fiction would be nice wouldn't it be nice if the world was Cadbury? Da 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 da. Yes. We also flashback so, to Australian childhood. My segues are literally me just saying and also. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> but I also want to follow up on several of our favorites um, from previous years because yes. this was a really excellent year for sophomore outings. 
from yes. some folks who we really and liked last year or the year before. Can I say, Tony? Yes, please. I think we did a great job of like <laughs> catching these authors as debut authors who then yeah. went on to do great things. Mm-hmm. Like we have talked with so many of the authors who had debut books last year or the year before and who have mm-hmm. their sophomore book out this year and are making in waves like that is so cool to me yes that like we got to see early on in the process and now we're starting to see like how what we fell in love with develops Mm -hmm. into like an even more mature pokemon form yes yes i made a pokemon reference you you did (laughs) and on that note um cl polk's the midnight bargain uh, it's oh, yes. not her sophomore novel because um, she's writing in her Kingston cycle but sequence. But it's a sophomore but it series? Was, yeah, it was like a sophomore series, even though I don't think it's she intends it to be a series. Anyway, it was her first book outside of the Kingston cycle, so I'm considering okay. it a sophomore something. Um, okay. But, you know, I, I, I won't say any more about how that's a good Pokemon segue. You will have to read it and or listen to our episode coming up with uh, CL Polk. But I also want to give a good shout out to The Once and Future Witches by Alex E. Oh my god, Alex. I love you. (laughs) Be my best friend forever. We certainly, hopefully, have her back on so that we can talk (laughs) um, about that book. Um, I also want to give a big shout out to The Order of the Pure Moon Reflected in Water, which was a novella from Zen Cho. I also really love long titles. If you listen to our Becky Chambers episode, you probably already know that, that I I love like long, long titles. Um, But we certainly, we, you know, in previous years, I've talked about Zen Cho's Sorcerer Royal series, um, which I really like. Um, So it was really great to see this as well as kind of, you know, I can't call it a sophomore book. Um, but was the first thing that I read outside of Sorcerer Royal. Um, and so really, really, you know, I think Zen Cho is someone who I am fully addicted to yes. at this point. Hi, Zen. I, <laughs> I am scrolling through. <laughs> and I know that this is true of others as well. Like we we talked, for example, to TJ Klune uh, in 2020 about his YA novel, The Extraordinaries, um, which made it on our uh, recommendation list of the year. But I also really want to shout out his adult novel, um, The House in the Cerulean Sea, which was fucking amazing. And he was also someone who was fairly well established. You know, these were not his first books by any means, but The House in the Cerulean Sea was the second book I read by him. And so I'm like, oh, what an awesome sophomore book, as though the world Oh, oh, and but. speaking <laughs> of, um, I forgot to mention this, but we might as well mention it now since um, yeah. our C.L. Polk episode won't be coming out for a little while. But C.L. Polk made it onto the Canada Reads list. You know, some mm-hmm. of the authors that we've been following, T.J. Clune and C.L. Polk, um, they've really kind of exploded not in a bad mm-hmm. way, but in a really good way mm-hmm. in the last year mm-hmm. or so. And so it's mm-hmm. really neat to see like Clune and Polk and many of these other authors yeah. getting what I see to be their due. And yes. I just, yeah. So now we're part of a larger conversation, which I never really expected mm-hmm. when we started this. We're like queer science fiction and fantasy. Yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll listen totally. to that. One one final shout out, um, which I was like, I know I have one more. You always have one more. The... The the new series from Rebecca Roanhorse, which is her sophomore series, um, it is 
the Beyond Earth and Sky series that started with Black Sun. Mm. Um, cannot recommend enough. Like that Black Sun was amazing. And gorgeous Definitely cover. One of my favorites of the year. Yes. Yeah, totally. So so that is to say, like, it's really exciting to see these folks who, you know, had a really good debut, um, whether or not we've talked to them specifically about that debut. Um, and we've been lucky enough to have talked to them uh, in a lot of these cases. Um, but seeing them succeed, seeing them do really well with, you know, multiple series, multiple books is just moi, chef's kiss. Fantastic. Also, there was an Australian in the novella mix this year, Kathleen Jennings. And if you haven't seen the cover for Fly Away, just have to... I know that I'm always mentioning pretty covers, but like, Mm -hmm. you gotta Mm -hmm. look at this cover. It is one of the most gorgeous art pieces known to man. And that is Kathleen Jennings's Fly Away novella. Nice. It's great. Anyway, moving on. Excellent. Well, um, as our listeners may be aware, given that we talked about it... Uh, all through, Maybe? you know, basically Just the months of November, possibly. December. Um, we love Star Trek. And by we, I mean me. Yes, um, that is true. I think true. Ken puts up with it. I mean, I <laughs> enjoy Star Trek, but... <laughs> the Where I'm going with that is that 2020 was also it really was a excellent fantastic year for Star year for Trek. Star Trek. Um, so we got not one, not, not two, two, but three four. series. Um, two of which were completely new. So we got Star Trek Picard... Star Trek Lower Decks, first season of both of those, and the third season of Star Trek Discovery, most of which did air in 2020. And it was so so good. Like, all the things that we kind of wanted, we got a bit of. And that was Mm -hmm. pretty fabulous. And I know we we still Mm -hmm. have some talking to do regarding Mm -hmm. Lower Decks. We haven't yet recorded an episode dedicated specifically and solely to it. Um, That is still out there in the future, but um, by now, we have a full sort of documentation of our thoughts and feelings about Star Trek Discovery Season 3. We haven't yet (laughs) talked about the card in detail, but it came up occasionally throughout that discussion. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. once we have a second season of Picard out, we might be able to do a little bit more reflection on that series as well. Um, Mm -hmm. Because like at this point, it's kind of like, oh, what what just happened? Right, right. And it is always, you know, I'm going to say what I have to say next, uh, while also recognizing that we recorded an entire series devoted to the third season of Discovery, but it is always a little difficult to tell, you know, where a series is going, what its strengths might be, you know, um, it's hard to do a retrospective before it's over. Mm -hmm. Um, With that said, certainly we have opinions about all of those things, but Mm -hmm. it's just generally exciting to be in a period of time where we have three Star Treks. I, I honestly think it's like golden like we you know with the exception of maybe 93 94 95 i don't know if next generation deep space nine and voyager were ever airing all at the same time but certainly um 2020 well, got, was the what, closest like, to like the mid-90s. or more new series set to debut later this mm-hmm. year early next yes. year so like we've got the yes, one so. with um pike um we've got him coming with kirk yes. no tr- spock God damn it. Yes. I have no brain. <laughs> anyway, we've got that whole thing going on. We've got, yes. is it another animated one with Jane It Way? is, yeah. Yeah, Star uh, Trek Prodigy with Prodigy. Um, with Kate Mulgrew coming back as Janeway in some capacity. Um, and at the time of recording, which is just towards the end of February, 
um, there was just a release of the main character character designs for Prodigy. So oh, um, that's, you know, like that. that's also picking up steam. So we are. And isn't there I, another I, one? I hope it's I hope good. There's another one. I don't know. So there's, there's also the sixth potential series is the Section 31 series with oh, Michelle yeah. Yeoh. But as of the 25th of February, 2021, that Captain's seems log. to be on ice a little bit. Um, where Could be COVID. it's maybe still in talks, but who Could knows? Could be COVID. Yeah. Everything is Unsure. kind of but like anyway. pending review mm-hmm. yeah. at this moment when it comes to Star Trek. Yeah. But um, one thing yeah. is for certain, and that is we do desperately want to wrap uh, Captain Picard in bubble wrap and get him <laughs> RBG's <laughs> doctor sure and... yeah. <laughs> Yeah. physical trainer yeah. so we're gonna yeah. we're gonna you know watch that with very keen eyes um what yeah. else has um been good ish in 2020 um well you really sorry i'm like you asked yeah. me and i immediately throw it back to you um <laughs> you got really really into audiobooks this year really so i would did. love to hear you uh say some good things about audiobooks in 2020 <laughs> they're in boxes there's discs <laughs> they're shiny um okay so what happened is less i got really into audiobooks than i got really really desperate after struggling to read print um because i have mm-hmm. been struggling ever since coronavirus um, and the shutdown really got intense last summer. And I don't know why that is. I know that a lot of people have reported similar effects. And so I decided Mm -hmm. to do what I've always recommended to other people when they're struggling, which is to switch formats. And so I tried out audiobooks. Mm -hmm. Now, a bad audiobook narrator can ruin a very good thing. However, most audiobook um, production companies and publishing houses at this point have have gotten those little um, important details worked out. And so I listened to pretty much only audiobook. Well, of course, I only listen to audiobooks that can't listen to a print book except for the squish, 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 which is also really satisfying. But anyway, (laughs) that's very true. In terms of proportion of books um, read in print and read as audiobook, I read far more as audiobooks over the last year. And I discovered that a great audiobook narrator can also transform the most ridiculous thing into a work of art. And I just have to say, I never thought that Devolution by Max Brooks, a book about freaking Yeti massacres, could have such a fantastic audio cast. Um, So there are certainly um, exceptions to, you know, the other books I would talk about, but I actually have fallen in love with single narrator uh, audiobooks. And I have to say, the audiobook narrator chosen for The Midnight Bargain by C.L. Polk nailed it. And there is something about really catchy British female accents reading books of fantasy and magic that is just, I mean, you do a chef's kiss and so I'll let you do the chef's kiss thing. But Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, this was also true for Naomi Novik's um, A Deadly Education. Um, Those Mm -hmm. two had some synergy in terms of the way that the narrator lent some um, I don't know, like the British persnicketiness to the characters that mm-hmm. really, really suited it. And I kind of fell back in love with the murder snuggles thing as a result. <laughs> so 
Um, audiobook narrators, fantastic. We need to give them more love. I also need to mention here, it's obligatory to mention Exe Sands, who has read um, many, many of Sarah Gailey's books, um, mm, as well mm -hmm. as other science fiction works out there. And I also have to mention Serial Box again. This is an app system. Mm -hmm. um, it's not truly audiobooks because they're originals, kind of the way that Audible originals are not really books in the traditional sense, but they are, you know, uh -huh. like one of those messy areas. But a lot of the authors that we know and love have also been contributing to these other um, audio storytelling modes and platforms. And there have been some really cool synergies between the authors we love and the authors showing up on, say, LeVar Burton Reads. So if you are mm -hmm. struggling with print, don't kick yourself too hard when you're down. Just maybe try out a podcast, try out LeVar Burton Reads. He's got a thing for science fiction. I don't know if mm -hmm. he's aware how much of a thing he's got for science fiction, but he's got a thing for science fiction, and there is nothing more beautiful than listening to LeVar Burton reading science fiction. Oh, my God. It's just like... Mm love it i i feel like he has to know like he's also written science fiction <laughs> also uh writing the foreword for the anthology new sons original speculative fiction by people mm -hmm. of color which was one of our um, favorite has, anthologies a couple years back yes i think last year i know what it's is on time there. i don't even well, know take, take a look at our awards page and it's definitely okay, on there whether on there. it was last year or the year before but you know he's definitely no stranger to science fiction in any no. of its forms which no is amazing, he is so. not however it is not the driving premise of the show so it's always interesting mm -hmm. for me to see how one's deepest loves and passions just kind of you know break through the underbrush mm -hmm. of the, the yeah. white noise of other possible fictions out there yeah, to let the yeah. best fictions, the science fictions, and the fantasies <laughs> break through. There's a lot to love in terms yes. of um, genre, mode, format uh, switches. And mm -hmm. uh, I know that I particularly, as a librarian and a reader, benefited from sampling some of the other many beautiful forms out there um, and highly mm -hmm. recommend it to those others who might be struggling with the current uh, climate. climate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Um, well, those are, you know, those are a lot of the good uh, trends that we saw this year. Um, as yeah. uh, again, you can you can take a look at our full awards page Please. on the website. Tony to look spent at a lot of time working choices. on them, and I spent a lot of time eating ice cream while he did that. <laughs> um, but with that said, there were a couple of things that we flagged that we would really like to see more of in 2021 and beyond. Um, so I I have one, and then I'll turn it over to you to. Okay. to wrap things up but the thing that i really missed this year is the biology in yes. science fiction and um and fantasy sorry i just yes, yes, completely yes, yes. blanked no, on that I, word I totally and, get you. and part of this you know part of the reason why it's something that i care a lot about is that in as a teacher that's primarily what i teach I teach students how to think about you know the way in which life works Doctor. <laughs> doctor, I need some I, geography. I do my best. So doctor, it really, doctor, point me to some <laughs> it dinosaurs. Really, it really is disappointing to see 
multiple years running now where there has been not very good representation, especially in science fiction, in terms of, uh, you know, good, accurate, this is what we know and what we're speculating on in terms of biology and ecology. You know, definitely some Mm. really great shout outs to some books that have done it directly or, you know, at least kind of used it as a good window dressing. One of our favorite novellas from last year by Becky Chambers, um, To Be Taught If Fortunate, was kind of, again, the chef's kiss for uh, biology representation over the last couple of years. You've actually taught it in classes. Which I have, yes. Yeah. I include that novella respect. in like science <laughs> classes because it's Best such a good ever. representation. Um, but I want more of this. I really want mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. more authors, whether they're, you know, putting together, you know, fantastical ecologies for, you know, fantasy worlds Mm -hmm. or putting Mm -hmm. together alien ecosystems on non-Earths yet to be discovered. Like, show us. Show us some really cool life. I want to see more of that. So that is my wish for the future. This has a little bit of a linkage to one of the things that I mentioned earlier, which was like things that are so weird that they could flop and I'd still be glad that they were there, mm-hmm. um, which includes the <laughs> extremely weird series um, Raised by Wolves, which mm. was on HBO Max. Uh-huh. There was a little bit of the ecology mm-hmm. and the yeah. like, yeah, yeah. quote unquote, hard sci-fi and the biology, new worlds, new creatures new etc happening there and then there was also a a young adult book that we both ended up liking although i have to admit it was not my favorite audiobook but the content was pretty spectacular in that it it managed to touch on both new ecologies and biologies as well as autism spectrum representation. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I thought that that was really neat. And that's the book Hella. Um, I don't know if you wanted to mention anything more about it, but that ties to another thing that we thought was underrepresented, yes. underrepresented, which is why it stood out so much yes. for being what it is. Yeah. And that's disability and neurodiversity and, and fat representation in literature. We saw a lot of of publications this year in science fiction and fantasy as we should that intersected very nicely with the uh, the marches and with the Black Lives Matter and the civil rights um, actions that were taken in 2020. Um, but we didn't see as much of some of these other aspects of representation. And I personally don't believe that they are mutually exclusive. Mm-hmm. I think we can have them all at once. And so I still hope to see some of this disability, some of this neurodiversity, some of this fat representation in our science fiction and fantasy, despite mm-hmm. also having, um, you know, diversity in terms of ethnicity and race um, and a good, solid historical grappling with those things mm-hmm. all under the same roof, mm-hmm. which is my roof, mm-hmm. which is our roof, mm-hmm. which is the imaginary. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you also had mentioned, even though we got some great queer representation this year, um, that you were hoping for for more going forward. Um, so will you say a little bit yeah. about that? Yeah, I mean, we've got some tantaling, tantalizing glimpses of non-binary representation, mm-hmm. of course. I'm going to bring this up every year mm-hmm, until mm-hmm. we're everywhere and you're so annoyed with us because we've taken over because we're not distracted by all the same things as you binary folks and you know that goes for my asexual folks as well you know holla um we're gonna be the ones who are gonna be ruling the world in five years because like (laughs) we are focusing our libido on things that matter you know not 
Anyway, so all this to say, I still think that there's room for progress on non-binary representation. And some of those letters that are later in the LGBTQIA plus alphabet, I do know um, that we are starting out 2021 strong in terms of we mm -hmm. are getting a book the Wayward Children series from Shauna McGuire has some intersex representation this year. I'm really excited about that. But the fact that that might mm -hmm. be the first time I've been able to say that on this podcast, kind of frustrating mm -hmm. still. So mm -hmm. I want to see more yeah. of these later letters well represented and also pushing past that firstness, that carving yes. out a sense of belonging yes. in yeah, the genres absolutely. that we love. And I want to give uh, a, a quick shout out to Phoenix Extravagant by Yoon Ha Lee, which oh, has yeah. a primary character who is non-binary. I actually just finished it, and it's an early contender mm -hmm. for one of my favorites of 2021. Oh, and a gorgeous cover! Yes, absolutely. I mean, I could say that about so many books, but yes. I had a gorgeous cover, yes. I swear. Yeah, for sure. Ugh. But I have, yeah. there's reason to hope. Um, that there is reason to hope. Here. Um, and it would also be nice to see more non-binary, genderqueer, you know, authors of all gender representations in the genre. Like for mm -hmm. so long, it has been male dominated. And then, you know, finally, women are getting a foothold. But then, mm -hmm. you know, how long is it going to take us to move from representing the binary genders to having the full spectrum? Like, mm -hmm. I don't want us to sort of stall out on that the way that we have on civil rights in some ways. So yeah. I'll stop there. No, I you're absolutely right. And I think that that's a really good place to sort of like wrap things up for this awards podcast, because we've certainly spent most of our time on good stuff and stuff that we really liked about 2020. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But you know, there's always more to work on and, and look for. And, yeah. you know, so that's, you know, going forward, these are these are some things we would like to yeah. see. Um, yeah. Yeah. So so with, with that said, <laughs> I will just go ahead and, you know, I will recommend that everyone take a look at the Imaginaries website. Again, that's imaginaries.net. Yes. We have all of our awards up there as, as well as some explanations. Uh, for 2020, we have our lists both in visual form and in written form. So you can take a look however you please. This is all courtesy of Tony. I didn't do any of this. <laughs> and then, of course, this episode has all of our general trends for the year. But what can our listeners look forward to this year from us? Because we've, we've just had a pretty good discussion before mm -hmm. um, getting started on our awards podcast. And it's a good time to kind of give folks a hint of what's to come. Yeah. What are you looking forward to the most to talk about um, in 2021? Oh, well, that's a good question. I know, you know, there's always kind of those those books and those authors I'm looking out for, the continuations of series are getting more books um, or have already gotten more books from Shauna McGuire, from Sarah Gailey, from C.L. Polk, from Rosaria Munda, from Charlie Jane Anders, from Becky Chambers. I just want to make out with you all in a platonic way. <laughs> Zen Cho, um, Becky Chambers again, TJ uh, Clune, Garth Nix, um, oh Suyu. Oh my god, yes. Talk about gorgeous Suyu covers. God damn it. Suyu Okumboa Davies. Thank you. You're welcome. All of which, you know, we are really looking forward to. It's a great lineup for this year. Um, and Fantastic. I, you know, I honestly, 
don't know what we're going to find um, that surprises us um, and that we love in 2021. And that's, you know, part of the excitement is always finding those things mm. that we we don't necessarily know are going to be our new favorites because we have plenty of them yeah. every year. Um, so I will just say that, you know, I am looking forward to the books that I have already bought and have yet to read. They're on my stack. <laughs> And, I'm laughing uncomfortably as I look at my bookshelf. And eventually I will read them. But also, this has already been a really fantastic year for television. We had the fifth season of The Expanse and the first season of WandaVision, both of which are, again, early favorites for my favorite TV shows of the year. So just some really good stuff. I'm excited. We're going to bring you lots more that's awesome this year. So... Um, so what are what are what are you most excited about or what are you looking forward to? And then I say go ahead and wrap us up. Sure. I personally am, am really excited about our evolving relationship. This podcast reflects in many ways Tony's and my friendship with each other over the course of the last how, how many years did we say? Uh, what, uh, nine? Math? Nine. Counting? No. <laughs> I don't know. We haven't done nine years of podcasting. Arithmetic. We've done like four oh, or five. Mean, I don't oh, know. Oh, I thought you meant um, since we've been, <laughs> since we'd met. Um, yeah, no. Since, um, we, since we, we started this podcast in the summer of 2016. So we're coming up on our fifth yeah. anniversary in June of 2021. Woo, woo. Okay, so I, first of all, I just love that we could have had a baby and it would be five and it would also be an alien. And that's just Don't like, like fantastic. That, but cool. This, this last year has really been the making of us in many ways. We know yeah. ourselves better. We know what we want out of the podcast oh, better. Oh, we sure do. I am being affected by the stories I listen to and watch and read in different ways as a result of what we went mm -hmm. through in 2020 and what I am still going through in terms of family stuff in early 2021. So like when you go through shit, stories mean different things. And mm -hmm. I'm really super interested to see what the stories will mean to me this year, not just like the art form and the craft and like the cool representation. I'm super curious about the effect it will have on me as a person because of everything mm -hmm. that's happened. And because what's mm -hmm. happened is in many sense, while it's personal and intimate, it's also global. So that mm -hmm. is like... But also, fetch the tissues, because I'm going to be yes. a mess for the next 12 months. Yay. Uh -huh. <laughs> Huzzah. Huzzah. <laughs> anyway, so that's that's it for me this year. Um, this year, oh my god, this last year, that's my sum total of all my thoughts, which were not very many mm -hmm. apart from push through and survive. Um, but we mm -hmm. have survived. Which is very fair. We have... We have grand plans for the year. We're going to be more focused. Mm -hmm. We're going to be dealing with topics in a really sort of mm, pared down, like sexy fashion. So uh -huh. you're going to have to just like wait around to see how that bears out. But in the meantime, yeah. we have a couple of really interesting episodes we can already talk about. A fantastic interview, um, conversation, uh, friendship shaping moment in our lives with CL Polk. <laughs> They are wonderful. Basically, you're going to fall in love because we fell in love again. <laughs> and we also have an episode on the John Bar Hinge. And if you don't know what that is, Wikipedia will tell you, but we'll tell you better. So hang in there yeah, for those will. episodes and many more to come. <laughs> many more. Many, many, many more. Many. Um, you're going to be so yes, sick of us. Totally. Yeah. So 
Uh, enjoy uh, uh, what's to come. Uh, uh, and we'll be back. We'll be back. We'll be back. We'll be back. All right. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye now. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye.